0: Hello and welcome to the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. You're tuning in right here to Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben. We thank you as always for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. Episode 32 coming your way uh, just a day after our one year anniversary um, and we kind of figured that we wouldn't get any suggestions, but it was fun to talk about it, and we didn't get any suggestions, but our goal our goal is to really have uh, some guests coming your way. We have a couple people lined up that we'd really love to talk to um, and bring to you guys because we thought they'd have a really cool insight on uh, you know our passion for Young Nostalgia, uh, and it'd be great to talk to them anyway Episode 32 coming your way, all about Neil Young, as we're discussing some you know prominent pop culture musicians back in the day uh, who really kind of influenced uh, the musical, the musical decade, um, actually multiple decades really, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of influenced that and how their careers have changed so much and kind of how they're winding down and it's kind of an end of an era almost. Uh, Last week, we talked about Elton John, but this week, we're talking about Neil Young. His influential career um, spans quite a long ways, but uh, without further ado, I guess, uh, Ben, you're a part of this podcast, too. How you doing, bud?
1: (laughs) I'm I'm doing all right in this very, very rainy Tuesday in Ohio. Oh, that's true. Uh, It's not too bad here, but super-duper windy. Um,
0: My... uh, my wig almost came off when I came out of the car.
1: <laughs> well, you could probably comb some of that chest hair up and over and get by. <laughs> <laughs> I got, uh, I'm on, the, oh I'm on the podcast here with Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Jeez>. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Anyway, <laughs> debailed as always. Yeah. Um, uh. Okay, let, let's dive right into into some Neil Youngs, kind of an, in a, a background, pretty much overview of uh, what Neil Young was, though through his guitar work, his deeply personal lyrics, as well as signature tenor scening voice uh, transcended his long career um, from back in the 60s all the way up till now. Young is known to play piano and harmonica on many albums that he produced which uh, frequently combined genres of folk, rock country as well as other musical styles, um, including kind of some grunge that came in um, to uh, his later careers throughout the 90s, which including, um, you know, kind of that distorted electric guitar that he was known for playing, especially with Crazy Horse. um, And it also nicknamed him, uh, gained him the nickname of Godfather of Grunge, which led him into the 90s um, when he paired with Mirror Ball uh, with uh, Pearl Jam, the album Mirror Ball with Pearl Jam back in 95 man that was long-winded uh anyway if you uh you know hit that slow down button on the uh, Apple podcast or something like that it's a lot of fun to listen to and you might be able to catch what I just said
1: yeah actually you know uh side note it that slow down button is so funny because it makes you sound totally inebriated well it makes anyone, any show sound like that yeah 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 and
0: it's it's the it's the best when uh ben when ben like makes a throat clearing noise (laughs) or when he's trying to think because it's like
1: uh yeah it just makes people sound super drunk it like it takes any like upstanding show and makes it sound like it was recorded by a bunch of winos (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah we're beerios man
1: yeah yeah that's true (laughs) <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, we've got a brief uh, overview of his early life and career beginnings. So, Neil Young was born on November 12, 1945 in Toronto, Ontario. And like many musicians, he idolized Elvis Presley and actually later referred to him in a quite a few of his songs. Uh... Young first began to play music himself on a plastic ukulele um, <laughs> before, as he would later relate, going on to a better ukulele, to a banjo ukulele, to a baritone ukulele, everything, basically everything except a guitar. <laughs> Which is so ironic just because of, you know, part of his
0: iconic career is, is the way he can make a guitar sing. Right.
1: I don't know, that's kind of, that that's something I was not aware of before show prep on this. That's kind of funny. Started on a plastic <laughs> ukulele. I'm sure that's not a, a very common story. Um Young and his mother eventually settled in uh settled in Winnipeg, Earl Grey High School. Uh, it was there they formed <laughs> <laughs> That was I, that shouldn't have been a mouthful, but it turned into it. Um uh, Wow, we're already falling apart. Um, and it was at the Winnipeg Earl Grey Junior High School that he formed his first band, the Jades, um, where and also where he ended up meeting Ken Coblin. Uh, while attending the while attending Calvin High School in Winnipeg, he played in several instrumental rock bands um, before eventually dropping out of school in favor for a musical career, as we often see. Um, with any budding, uh, musical prodigy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Those words are so beautiful. (laughs) Any, any budding, budding. (laughs) I had to wrap up that, you know, string of atrocious, uh, (laughs) sentences with, uh, you know, something a little bit more artful. (laughs) 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 Um. So up until then, the the music with the bands was a little bit sporadic. It wasn't really too stable. Um, But Young uh, had his first stable band uh, position um, in a band called the Squires, who played uh, quite a few gigs around the Winnipeg area. But soon disbanded, and but Young soon disbanded and favored just the songwriting portion. Um, And this is where he wrote some of the earliest and most enduring folk songs such as Sugar Mountain, um, which was about lost youth. Uh, The Winnipeg band The Guess Who had a Canadian Top 40 hit with Young's Flying on the Ground is Wrong, uh, which was Young's first major success as a songwriter. Um, Young also toured as a solo artist throughout 1965 um, and then joined the, the... <clears throat> the meaner minor birds, excuse me, while in Toronto. <laughs> Boy, it's difficult. I can't can't even read or talk today. Yeah.
0: Well, I, um, honestly, I I think it's so interesting to have Neil Young. Uh, just because of like the way his background was in music throughout Toronto, where mm-hmm. you know he he tried his tried his hand at, at some band, um, and you know at kind of small town gigs throughout his hometown, and then he he left the scene for songwriting, and then he got a little bit taste of success, and he was like, you know what, I want to put my name on my songs as well as perform my songs, and then he went back into the touring scene, but mainly as a solo artist. And I think it's kind of interesting because. A lot of things that I read kind of pointed to how Young's personality would often clash with people around him, um, especially in the <laughs> ar- artist- artistic scene, where whether it was like his record company um, that he was signed on with or bandmates, you know, a lot of times you do see him jumping around either just due to um, his own differences or he just, you know, wanted to go his own way and didn't, didn't really feel that what he was doing at that time was going to benefit him. So he went the way he thought, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of his mindset. It's interesting to see play out throughout his career.
1: Right. And, and, you know, it's a lot of the people we've talked about on this show um, were are iconic by themselves. And they kind of have a common theme as to they it's like as soon as their name gets out there, it's like, boom, they're number one, like instant hits. And I feel like Neil Young kind of followed the more normal classic route of famous musicians who seemed like early on they just kind of, they were just like a normal person, normal person who is in plays and bands or anything musical. They just kind of bounce around, bum it around until, you know, kind of gradually building their career. It's more kind of a gradual climb rather than just like, like we talked about with Elton John last week, you know, just. Boom, instant hits right basically right off the bat. You know, with a, a yeah. pretty steep climb. And so and so Neil Young seems to I don't know, maybe maybe it's it's not normal. I, I I you know, maybe I'm just looking at it with my own my own point of view, but it seems like that's kind of the, the normal, the classic kind of way that people would uh kind of build their careers.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Mhm.
1: So uh when the minor birds eventually disbanded, young and the bass player Bruce Palmer re- uh, ended up relocating to Los Angeles. Um and it was kind of, kind of funny is all the way up in 2009 it took up in until a 2009 interview um that young admitted that he was actually in the United States illegally until he received a green card in 1970. So all of this was going on and you know, moving around multiple times, different gigs, different bands, all of this while flying under the radar um, of not being an actual U.S. citizen.
0: <laughs> it's just so interesting. <laughs> you know, it, it was almost one of those things was like, was that one of the things looming over his head or did it just kind of go to the wayside that, you know, I'm not actually legally here in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. so weird. Well, about you know, like, it, it, maybe, f- go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, you know, I was just going to say some of the stuff that he was probably doing, it's not like he was bouncing around between uh, factory jobs and that sort of thing where you would be, you know, filing paperwork and, you know, being a, an official employee and that sort of thing. And, you know, bounce, uh, the kind of stuff he was doing is bouncing around to different uh, clubs and venues playing small time kind of gigs and so it was, Probably mostly just a, you know, after the show you get handed a stack of cash mm-hmm. and they send you on your way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so, you know, it it, it is kind of easy to see how it would be relatively um, not difficult to to fly under the radar that long, you know. In yeah, that, in yeah, that that's sort true. That's very true.
0: And, and I wonder if it if it like kind of held him back to being able to shoot for the stars earlier in his career. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah maybe that's true
0: we'll never know career (laughs) height may never know (laughs) yeah uh the diving into his career height um so throughout uh, the late 60s going into the 70s, Young would soon join up with Stephen Stills in L.A. And soon thereafter, Young, Stills, Palmer, Richie Furray, and Dewey Martin, who uh, he's had contact with um, in his early career in L.A. as well as um, former bandmates in uh, Toronto. Uh, they came together to form the band Buffalo Springfield. They released their de- debut self-titled album back on December of 1966. Six and it managed to crack the charts. Actually, um, with uh, the single, for what it's worth, even became a top ten hit uh, on Billboard's um, top one hundred, I do believe. And then uh, the band soon attracted large uh, following. Soon attracted a large following and was acclaimed for its experimental and skilled instrumental pieces inventive songwriting and harmony focused vocal composition which we can kind of see is the basis of just Neil Young's style as well like I almost picture Neil Young as kind of like a revolutionary of music kind of in the way that Bob Dylan was because his music was so unique to Neil Mm -hmm. Young you know what I mean there's not really music that's much like Neil Young's music
1: it wasn't just kind of a like a a cookie cutter kind of sound you know that it wasn't like this specific trend was popular, and so that's what they did. It, they were popular because it was different and innovative for the time.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, the Music Listening Public got its first introduction to Young's Talents um, on such tracks as Broken Arrow and I Am a Child. Um Although, by 1968, Strain and Buffalo Springfield led Young to striking out once more on his own as he felt he could gain some more success that way. As well as, uh, as the following kind of saw Young's talents, both on the guitar and vocally, he thought he might be able to uh, make it on his own once again, but here in the U.S. instead. Um, Young soon signed with Reprise Records. (laughs) the (laughs) record label of non um, the chairman of the board Um, and then he would soon release the self-titled debut album um, to kind of mixed reviews but uh, it hinted at the originality and willingness to experiment that would define his body of work like we've said but uh, he then followed up just a few months later with everybody knows this is nowhere which eventually went gold throughout his career
1: and (laughs) you know it's it's always it's always funny to see um you know there's been a, as well as neil young there's been many other people as well with reprise uh prominent people with reprise records but um it reprise kind of is kind of a commonality between a lot of people that we've talked to in the past obviously the rat pack you know anyone involved with with uh <laughs> those guys but uh I don't know. I I like to see that sort of thing. You know, it's obvious that of course they would go for, you know, a lot of the big name people would imagine that come from a uh a record company like Reprise Records. But I don't know. It's just it 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 warms my heart that <laughs> that <laughs> everything always somehow filters back to uh filters back to Reprise Records and you know, just kind of the Rat Pack guys.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think it's really cool. And I mean, you know, by 1968, Reprise Records was one of the top dogs in the record uh, business. I mean, just because Mm of, you know, who who ran it and uh, the kind of influence that Frank Sinatra had. But, you know, by that time, they were known for top quality work. Uh, And I think it was a win in Neil Young's book to be able to, uh, sign with them and record music through them. Um,
1: Oh yeah. Just, I mean, just being under that record labels is is by itself a career booster. Um, you know, let alone his, his own, uh, his own, you know, resume of work. Um, you know, you kind of just signing with reprise just bumps you up to a whole nother level by itself before you even put out anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And, it, and I think it's so cool. Um, I've read up on Reprise Records a little bit. And Reprise Records was also very known for letting the artist run the show in terms of the recording and the type of music that they want to bring. And I think that mm-hmm. really fit Young. I mean, uh, Neil Young's style just because of like how revolutionary he was in terms of um, experimental uh, lyrics as well as music. Um, and I really felt like it, it fit the bill for for who he was, to kind of pave the road for his future
1: success, for sure. Um, well, I'm sure that I'm sure that that was that point is one of the whole reasons why he ended up deciding to to sign with Reprise, just because you know if you look at just his career trends up to this point, that's what he'd if stuff wasn't necessarily going his way or how going how he thought was best, he would he'd be he's out, he's just gonna walk and yeah you know go find someone else that you know wants to go along with his vision and so i think that probably reprise allowing you know a lot more of his say uh to go into the final works probably was a a a big um a big point in his decision to sign with them
0: definitely definitely All right, continuing on, Young had uh, reconnected with Stephen Stills, who had formed the new group with David Crosby of the Birds and Graham Nash of the Hollies, which uh, we kind of obviously the famed name of the joint trio, which was renamed Crosby Stills and Crosby Stills, Nash, and Young. Um, I always like saying Crosby Stills and Nash and sometimes Young depends on the day, Um, and they began to perform (laughs) and record playing the legendary Woodstock Festival back in August of 1969. Um, The band's subsequent tour and album release uh, in the 1970s, Deja Vu, catapulted them um, to nationwide fame so much that they were at times referred to as uh, quote-unquote the American Beatles just because of the kind of prominent pop culture figures that they had and the kind of influential music that they were... um, sharing with uh their fans however young's relationship with his bandmates quickly became um, contentious and he <laughs> left the group to focus more exclusively on his solo work which we see quite imagine often that. in his career <laughs> imagine that imagine that um <laughs> did you have anything to say about crosby stills nash and uh occasionally young
1: <laughs> no i have nothing to say other than that's <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's
0: it's very true. <laughs> I know because I know down the line in his career, he's he, they kind of came back together and um, performed together as well, uh, and that's
1: why it's kind of like, uh is Young in there? We're not really sure. Yeah, yeah, and th- you know that just kind of is his overall trend to where he'll come and go as he pleases, and he's ready to just bounce when you know <laughs> stuff's not going his way. <laughs>
0: exactly exactly oh my gosh all right we got a couple more points here to to round up the height of Yo- uh, neil young's career um so the move from crosby stills nash and young quickly paid off uh, with young's 1970 album after the gold rush breaking into the top 10 and featuring such neil young classics as only love can break your heart tell me why as well as southern man um And Young outbid himself, outdid himself the next year with um, the album Harvest, a hallmark work that contains the songs The Needle and the Damage Done, uh, Old Man, and Heart of Gold, which is a beautiful song, um, which Young's, actually, okay, let me rephrase this. Here we go. So, Young would (laughs) outdo himself the next year with the album Harvest, a hallmark work that contains songs such as The Needle and the Damage Done, Old Man. And then a separate separate uh, information here. So Heart of Gold was actually released on the Harvest album as well. But Heart of Gold was Young's only number one hit to date. The only number one hit for until 1971 for Neil Young. Which is insane because of the great success that he saw um, with Gold Rush um, and all the other amazing songs on Harvest as well. Uh, sometimes it's interesting just to to be surprised by, you know, as influential and revolutionary as his work was. It wasn't until Heart of Gold that he actually had his first number one hit nationwide.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It seems, I don't, you, you see all of these extremely popular artists, you see it all the time. You know, their stuff is always, always, always at the top of the charts. But it seems like that that absolute number one is just on the next level of difficulty to get. You know, you could have someone who their their career is nothing but, um, you know, they're in the top hundred, top ten, top, you know, always in the top of the list. But you know, there's in reality there's very few people who have that, who have gotten and maintained that, uh, number one, uh, award.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I th- I think you're spot on and it's so it's just so interesting. I mean, you can be a great artist and never get a number 1 hit ever, but everyone mm-hmm. knows who you are.
1: Yeah, and you can have an extremely long-lasting career and you know, it'll take you years and decades before you eventually get that, you know, absolute top of the charts. Yeah.
0: Uh, interesting. Anyway, great song. <clears throat> Uh, And Ben's going to take the helm for the last little bit of the show.
1: All right. Moving into uh, his later life and later career, um, Young would eventually return to Reprised Records in 1988 um, with a major upswing in his career after some low points through the mid 70s to early 80s. Um, Young played with. edgy acoustic and electric sounds on the album Freedom in 1989. Uh, he would also achieve his second biggest hit with the track Rockin' In the Free World, um, which climbed to number two on the charts. Uh, but, perhaps more important, it further endured him to uh, up-and-coming acts such as Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., and Nirvana. And, um, Several of whom contributed tracks for a tribute album released the same year, titled *The Bridge*, um, whose proceeds went to the Bridge School. Uh, it also underscored Young's influence on his new crop of mu- on this new crop of musicians, eventually earning him the title Godfather of Grunge. Um, I think I think know, it's I- just so interesting because oh I'm sorry I I didn't know if you
0: were going to start um. no no I really I didn't I didn't have much to say continue, continue. Oh, okay I I think it's so interesting to see how the influence of artists changes throughout the generations so you know what what kind of music pulls from influences from back from back then like Neil Young has such a powerful impact on the grunge scene in the 90s with like names such <laughs> as Nirvana i mean and like bands like Pearl <laughs> Jam, but they were they were pulling from Neil Young's style of of um, uh, I don't even know what to say like just revolutionary experimental music. They're pulling from his scene that made Neil Young who he is. And a lot of times people still right. cite Bob Dylan as a huge source of their inspiration for music. And I just think it's so interesting how they mm-hmm. gave the godfather of grunge to the title of Neil Young. Um and it, it, I never really <laughs> yeah, thought I mean, of Neil Young as a grunge kind of guy, but you yeah. know that's the kind of that's kind of crowd that he appealed to.
1: Yeah, and you know, looking at at strictly face value, like n- you're like, if it was a trivia question, like who is the godfather of grunge, and like <laughs> probably my absolute last choice would normally be Neil Young, <laughs> but I would choose Elton you know, John. Look- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to th- if you know, if you first think about it, I mean, they're both equally a stretch until you look into more of what Neil Young is actually known for. And, you know, it's not only his, just his nature of not following, uh, not following the beaten path, but it also is, you know, later in his career, he did kind of incorporate some of that, you know, the 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 extremely uh, distorted electric guitar, as well as, you know, just the rhythm patterns that are common that you see. So not only was it his just... His overall, um, uh, rebe- you know, rebelling against the 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 norm, but it was his his sound was also starting to go that way. So you know, if you put it all together, it kind of does make a lot of sense that he would be the godfather of grunge. But it it is just something that you totally would not think of. Right off the bat, yeah,
0: yeah. Talk about a, a just a a huge change throughout his career in terms of genre and and uh, the style. It, it's pretty neat.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on a little bit, we have moving forward to 1992, uh, Neil Young would return to his folk roots with Harvest Moon, um, featuring songs such as War of Man, Unknown le- Legend, excuse me. Um, and harvest moon it was young's it was one of young's more su- accessible albums um, it was a critical and popular success reaching number 16 on the chart and charts and eventually going double platinum that yeah and you know, I mean, it seems like that's always kind of popular is when, you know, later in someone's career and, you know, they've kind of migrated a little bit away from what really made them popular and they, they do just kind of like a, a throwback album, you know, kind of going back to their original style. It seems like that's always pretty popular.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, and I almost feel like it's part of taking, taking what they knew back then. And what they loved about the music they produced back then, and combining it with the new kind of stuff that they've been subjected to, um, and and mm-hmm. how their style changed, but bringing that new style and influencing it with the old style, I think that's what makes it so, so popular. Is because their fan base grows to new people, and then they're like, you know what, I like this new kind of style of Neil Young, brought back to his younger days as well.
1: Right, and you know that's just kind of a it's kind of like, you know, this, like the saying, you know, if I knew then what I know now, except it's in an application where you are, you know, it's actually applicable. Um, you know, there's not very many times that, you you know, you can't actually go back and know what you know now, but, you know, you can, you can apply it and you can l- layer on that base knowledge and reflect on basically everything, you know, what you've learned that, Uh, what you know audiences like throughout your career what you have personally been successful with in your career and you can base you can use all of that knowledge all together you know and it it always seems to work out pretty well both in popularity um, and just their overall career most definitely Young would continue to record and release albums such as Broken Arrow and the soundtrack to the Western Dead Man which starred Johnny Depp. Throughout the early 2000s until now, Neil Young would continue to produce culturally appropriate music focusing on the September 11th attacks, political controversy and as well as his own past. Um, in March of 2018 young continues in his prolific way to state that farewell tours are BS <laughs> and that if he wanted to play he will <laughs> uh, he also stated that when I retire people will know because I'll be dead
0: <laughs> I mean I don't think you could really embody the kind of oh, I don't think you could really embody the, the kind of personality young had until you read that quote, so I think I think it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about, you know, supposedly Elton John will be tiring retiring after this year as well and I think that's that's BS too. He might slow down a little bit, but it, you know, there's no way Elton John is staying out of t- I mean, he's he's always been kind of winding down a little bit, but there's no way he's ever going to stay out of the music scene. Yeah until he's yeah
0: dead. i agree i mean i think with you know with people such as elton john and neil young music's been such a, a big part of their lives to be able to cope with life happenings um cope with mm-hmm. not even just you know their own life happenings but just the way to the world really um it's it's a way for them to connect with the other people experiencing it as well as coping with their own stressors so i i, I don't think they can really stay out of music um it's just because c- mm-hmm. it's who they are, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, these these talented musicians, these talented as well as successful musicians. You know, it's not only does it become their career, and that's how they put food on the table and and all that, but it's it's pretty much that's what their life revolves uh-huh. around. You know, I mean, there's so many people that the the music that they make is not you know it, it is their life, not just a you know, just a, a facet of their life. It's not a, it's not just a means to an end. It is the end itself. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they love doing it, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks again so much for joining Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through retro pop. Culture. It's been a blast. Episode 32, we're talking about Neil Young, his very decorated and long career um, as he's still on kicking and he will never retire until he is six feet under. As always, if you enjoy the show, <laughs> leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We're out there on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, um, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Go ahead and find us. We're always looking to revamp the show. Um, we, we're, you know, we're looking to get some new bumpers going on, things to kind of revitalize it um, going into our new year. I hope everyone uh, has been enjoying it. We appreciate all of the support from you guys. Uh, the show has been slowly growing um, over the year. We'd like to get a little bit bigger and reach more people. So if you know good friends or anybody, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Um, to us you'll find our facebook and twitter banners on our podbean page as well make sure you like us tweet at us anything uh let us know what you think or you know just kind of spread the news if you got a future topic or you'd like to talk to ben and i give us an email at young nostalgia 2017 at gmail.com i think that's pretty much my big spiel uh
1: anything <laughs> else big guy <laughs> Uh, nope, I don't think so. Just another good, another good episode on the books. I agree. I agree. I was talking to a
0: friend of mine who likes to listen to, and uh, it's kind of interesting to to hear uh, his point is point of sp- pr- pr- perspective. Um, <laughs> we're definitely not a very professional produced podcast. We're not in like a, a big studio or anything like that. Um, and it was nice to hear because he was kind of like, it's nice to be able to listen to a show. That doesn't take itself too seriously, but still has a good time and could bring good content. So I was like, "Hey, man!" Yeah. Oh, I that's feel like that is
1: one hundred percent us, <laughs> not <laughs> taking ourselves too seriously. <laughs> that's very true. Very
0: true. Oh my god! Good uh, show as always. True and as words we have always- <laughs> never been said. <laughs> oh my god! As we always <laughs> say here on Young Nostalgia,
1: keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full.
0: Take care, everybody.